Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERALP Arlington, 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. While certain age groups may be less vulnerable to the health effects of COVID-19, no group has zero chance of contracting the virus. The data show that the global pandemic has affected people of all ages and all walks of life. Reports suggest, however, that there are generational differences in how people are responding to this public health crisis. Today, my guests are Carol Burnett, an older, longtime Arlington, Virginia resident, and Michaela Andrews, a certified health education specialist and recent Marymount University graduate with a master's degree in health education and promotion. Each of them will talk about how they are coping with COVID-19 and their attitudes towards such timely issues as social distancing and isolation and wearing a mask. They will also give their views about which is more important to them, getting the economy going or keeping people healthy and safe. Finally, each will tell us how they think COVID-19 will impact their lives in the months ahead. So welcome, Carol and Michaela, and thank you for joining me today. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay. Well, to get started, let's kind of lay the groundwork here and have each of you tell me about what was your living situation at the time social isolation was put in place in mid-March. So Carol, we'll start with you. Well, uh, I live in a, a nice single family house in North Arlington with a spouse and a dog and a nice backyard that uh, has been quite enjoyable during this time. And were you pretty busy? Did you have a, a, a active life in terms of lots of activities? And uh, um, what was that like for you? Oh, I, absolutely. Since, since I retired uh, five years ago, I've... Uh, immersed myself in, uh, I had uh, four exercise classes a week that I went to every morning uh, through Arlington County. And I uh, was very involved with the uh, Arlington uh, Democratic Committee. Uh, And so, and I uh, am treasurer of my dog club and do its newsletter. So I have quite a few things on my plate. Right. So it sounds like you were out and about a lot and interacting with friends and colleagues and um, doing a lot of things in the in the community. I, I would say so. Every day I was out and about somewhere. Okay. How about you, Michaela? Um, well, at the start of this pandemic, I was actually in Florida um, at spring break, um, but I live in a house in Falls Church with four other roommates, um, and I have two cats and a dog. We have a backyard, so it hasn't been, you know, at the start when it was really scary, um, we at least could escape there, but it's been definitely weird. (laughs) And I guess since March, weren't you in school at the time that everything changed? Yes, yes. I was already taking two online classes, so it wasn't that much of a switch for me, but um, it all kind of just stopped. Like spring break just never ended. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so for, because I mentioned earlier that you had graduated, so 
did you even have a graduation ceremony or what was that like? Um, our teachers actually of my health science department threw us like a little online virtual um, graduation, which was really nice. And then Marymount did an actual online commencement ceremony. Um, I actually went home and my mom threw a graduation party with like a few of our family members. So I got to celebrate a little bit, but it wasn't as you know, exciting as um, when I graduated last year. Right. Especially given all the work that you had done with your classwork and that, it seemed like you should have had a bigger reward than something online, right? Right. Yeah. It doesn't really give the full effect. (laughs) Okay. So Carol, and I'm anxious to hear this from both of you, but let's again, start with you, Carol. What has been the biggest change that you faced in connection with this social isolation that we're all forced to be under right now? Well, I suppose the very first thing that we all learned about was how to use Zoom. (laughs) And uh, uh, immediately my uh, happy hours went to Zoom. They're not quite the same on Zoom, I have to say. It's a lot more fun in a restaurant (laughs) than it is, uh, you know, with your own glass of wine looking at the computer. Um, So, and in all the community meetings and things that I went to, uh, you know, obviously we're all canceled. No more, you know, getting up every morning uh, to go to exercise classes. So that was a big change. And that sort of has led me to becoming a binge Netflix watcher at night because I don't have to get up in the morning. <laughs> right. So that's been a pretty big difference. Michaela, how about you? Um, pretty much the same. Um, really just trying not to be lazy every day. Um, you know, they say time flies when you're having fun, but also when you're super bored, it goes by just as fast. So it was really hard um, trying to, you know, do something productive. Um, I rearranged my room a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Well, that might not be a bad thing, right? Yeah, (laughs) but really just, you know, trying to do something productive, um, not just sitting around on the couch doing nothing, but trying to work our brains because they're not getting as much stimulation as usual, you know, but it was, yeah, really lazy. For you, you, Michaela, were you... You mentioned about going out in the backyard, but were you able, were you involved in any kind of activity then outside or, or, or how was that for you? Um, so before everything hit, I had um, a few babysitting jobs. I was a graduate assistant at Marymount um, and I also had two other jobs. And then once everything shut down, my hospital job was the only one that I was still employed at. Um, So it was a huge change. Um, But besides that, going to the hospital and doing my shifts, um, my boyfriend and I would just go to parks, trying to stay away from people also because I was working with COVID patients. So it wasn't, it was more of like, I don't want to get anybody else sick if I have it and I don't want anybody to get me sick where I bring it to the hospital. And so it was, I definitely social distanced myself more than my other friends, I think. Definitely lots of changes there. So Carol, 
how have the realities about COVID-19 impacted your life? And not only you, but your interaction with family members and, and friends, do they share the same views as you? What would you tell us? Uh, I, w- I would say that, that uh, yes, most of my friends share the same, same views that I have. Um, uh, family members do. Uh, you know, we, we, I think we've gone pretty much like how everybody, like at the beginning, you were so cautious, you, you didn't go to the grocery store, but every three weeks, you know, you, uh, one time I got up and went at 6am because I thought that would be safer, except it didn't really seem to be safer because there were all these construction workers there getting their snacks for the day and, uh, so they, they, and they didn't seem to want to follow those arrows in the aisle. So I decided it wasn't really worth getting up at 6 a.m. to avoid people. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's had an, an impact with, you know, not seeing people face to face. Although we've had a few friends over one at a time or two at a time in our backyard and social distanced and more mass. Uh, except when we sipped on the wine. And, uh, you know, uh, I think it's just not seeing people face to face. It certainly kept in contact with everybody. And Michaela, do you consider yourself less likely to be infected with COVID-19, say, than your parents or your grandparents or other older adults? Um, Not really. Um, I know at first we really only saw um, the older generation affected, but um, especially seeing it every day at work, there are a lot of healthy young people suffering from COVID. Um, And since working at the hospital too, I feel like I'm more vulnerable since I do also have underlying health conditions. Um, But I also, am more conscious of it because of that. Obviously, you're more conscious of that, but do your friends, uh, and and I say your friends or even your peers, uh, what you see, do you think that they're similarly, they're feeling the same way as you, or what is your observation about that? Um, They all wear masks, which makes me happy. (laughs) Um, They do find it annoying. Um, Really, though, most of them believe um, this is an actual disease. (laughs) Um, I found most resistance really with my grandma and my dad wearing masks in public because they hate it on their face and it's annoying and all this stuff. But most of the young people that I go to school with who are my roommates, um, they, t- they take it pretty seriously, at least really seriously at the beginning. It's kind of trailed off as we open up more. But And I guess I'm really curious as how you feel about that. Um, I definitely am a clean freak in general. <laughs> so really nothing has really changed in my cleaning protocols or, you know, washing your hands after you leave the grocery store, not touching random things. Um, It's definitely weird not giving people high fives and you second guess everything now before you do it, which you (laughs) notice the bad habits. (laughs) And Carol, 
when you see, just listening to Michaela, and when you see on TV or probably TV most likely, folks that are in the bars or uh, gathering at the beaches, what, what is your reaction to that? My, my reaction is when I hear people say, oh, it's my freedom to not wear a mask. Uh, I don't want to be a sheep. It's government overreach. I want to just slap them and say, do you stop at red lights? Mm -hmm. Because to me, stopping at a red light is the exact same thing. I mean, it's making sure that you and your fellow citizen don't both bash into each other and kill each other in your car. So the mask is the same thing. It's not any government overreach or being a sheep or not giving you freedom. And so I just, I don't understand it. I mean, I, I just, because you know these people stop at red lights. So sure. why not wear the mask? <laughs> well, good point. And, and Carol, following up on that, in terms of your life and We've now been in social isolation here for about four months, and it's still indefinite. Are you able to participate in more activities outside your home? Um, have you, have you and your colleagues kind of been able to come to some um, arrangement where there are certain activities now that you're venturing out and doing? And and what are those, and how often do you do that? Well. Interestingly, back in, in January, I volunteered to be the person who would deliver yard signs to people in Arlington that said, um, dump Trump. And uh, we, the Democratic Committee bought a thousand of these. And another guy named Mark and I uh, got put in charge of this. And I said, Mark runs the website and I drive out and take people's signs. So every morning, actually more like every noon time, I would uh, look at the list that Mark emailed me and I'd get in my little Mini Cooper and I'd drive over Arlington and drop these yard signs on people's porches. So I really was out every day <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. And I would like say to myself, boy, I'm driving on this road and it's five o'clock in the afternoon, and there's nobody else here. There's no rush hour. <laughs> it was really sort of enjoyable. And then I got really hooked on uh, that we have a new uh, Starbucks drive-through here in North Arlington. And they were open pretty much, I think, the whole time. And uh, so I unfortunately made it a, a habit to, to drop by there as well. So I, I still got out and did stuff. We also ran a special election for the county board during this time. And uh, I was out doing, doing things, campaigning. Uh, we put post-it notes on people's doors, reminding them there was a, an election. So I, I managed to get myself out quite a bit. And then I served as an election officer just uh, in June. At the end of June, uh, the Arlington County had two different elections. And uh, both times I uh, served as an election officer, which I've been doing for five years anyway. So, and all the other people at our uh, election uh, precinct also uh, came and worked. And they're all, I would say, over 60. 
So it sounds like you and colleagues have made an effort to do some things where you get a chance to see each other, but of course at a safe distance. Yes. Correct? Yes. Uh, we, we had face masks. Uh, we had uh, face shields. Uh, we had gloves. And uh, we disinfected everything constantly during our, our time at the election uh, precinct. Okay. And how about you, Michaela? I, has, you know, over this four month period, as we continue, are there some activities that you're participating in outside your home? You mentioned going to the hospital, I think, and, and working, but also any social activities? What's your, what does your life look like right now? Um, first, I just want to say I love those dump Trump signs. I see them on my way to work every single day since the pandemic, and I just smile, and I'm like, oh, my God, thank goodness there are sane people. <laughs> um, but I've had picnics with um, a few of my friends. Um, we have gone out and eaten in restaurants. Um, I didn't really like sitting down inside. Um, it was still a little scary for me, um, but I don't really mind the you know outdoor bar seating. Most of the time they're pretty spread out from other people. Um, but I haven't really, I've not gone to the bars. I will not do that. I see people do that and that terrifies me. <laughs> All right. Well, and uh, Carol, and and, I, and this really applies to both of you, but Carol, we'll start with you about healthcare providers or a hairstylist or some other vendor that at least when the COVID-19 was first uh, discovered or announced, um, those were all closed, but now they are opening up. H have you Carol, visited any of these, any healthcare provider or hairstylist or gone to the gym or anything else? What would you tell us? Well, actually, I, I had just had my yearly physical like on March 9th. So then my doctor gave me all these like referrals for, for follow-up type mammogram and that sort of stuff. And so all those doctor's appointments got canceled. You know, all the doctors would call and say that they were canceled. And I really, uh, now that they've started back up, I have appointments, but they're uh, actually later this week and uh, even into August, because I guess, you know, they had to push everybody. So I did go, oh, I did go get my hair cut because boy, let me tell you, after four months, <laughs> It was really bad. <laughs> you hardly and, recognized yourself, right? Yeah, it, it was it was driving me nuts. So I sort of went about two weeks ago and uh, got a haircut. And uh, maybe maybe it was a little before that, but I think it was right before the election on June 23rd. Like the day before, I said, I've got to go get my hair cut. So I did venture and do that. I was a little nervous. I didn't really think that you know they like hadn't put up sheets of plexiglass between the chairs but they did have you know people spaced apart and there were only three people in the place so you know I mean I clearly noticed it <laughs> and uh you know so it, it's been sort of slow at, at doing those things. but I have friends who like have 
I don't really have any underlying health conditions, but I have friends who do, who have not gone to their doctors still yet. We were just on Zoom yesterday and they were saying, I don't think I can go yet. I'm just too afraid. But I think it also has to do with that they have underlying health issues. And I think that that has become more of the issue rather than age particularly, is that people just realize that maybe it's the underlying health issues that are the more worrisome part of this. And do you and do you think that even if they are having symptoms of some sort that pertain to heart disease or a stroke or whatever, that they would still be reluctant to go to a hospital or say emergency emergency room? I mean, I, I think one of my friends would be. I mean, she's just like really locked herself in and gets her groceries delivered and uh, you know does not leave the house. Uh, I think she just recently posted how it's, you know, like been 120 days now since she left her house. So, uh, you know, and we do Zoom quite a bit with her to try to, you know, keep her uh, sane. But um, I think some of my other friends are starting to sort of loosen up and do things uh, a lot more. Right. And Michaela, how about you? Are you feeling more comfortable visiting places outside your home and uh, and doing other things? And, and again, what about your friends and colleagues? And, and when you go to these places, do you feel safe? Uh, what is your reaction? Usually I feel pretty safe as long as it's not an overcrowded or like really enclosed area. Um, I like to think I'm pretty conscious on like wearing a mask using hand sanitizer all that good stuff um but I still I've traveled to Connecticut um twice during this at the you know clarity of all my family members who live up there um and at first I was really afraid going near my grandma and stuff because she like just doesn't care <laughs> which is really bad but then like my other grandparents um they are very scared so when I go visit them we still see each other but like at a social distance and I wear my mask because I know I probably have been around it so I don't want to give it to them by any chance and are you going I, and you may have mentioned this earlier but just to to clarify are you going to um, public, do you go shopping or do you go to any restaurants uh, uh, outside or tell me, tell us again what, what kind of social activities you're visiting now or doing? Yeah, I'm not really a fan of shopping. So I like that I, the malls aren't really open and stuff. Um, grocery shopping, we have, have, have had, have to do. Um, we do. We went to um, uh, like the inside restaurants once, and we still didn't really feel safe about that. We thought that they were using it kind of as overflow seating, and people were still really close together. Um, once you were inside, you didn't have to wear a mask. Um, so lately, we've just kind of been ordering from our favorite restaurants, and then we'll go sit like at Gravelly Point or somewhere in Old Town just by the Potomac, like where we're distanced, but we can still have our nice dinner. 
All right. Well, we are going to take a short break right now for an important message. You are listening, first of all, to Carol Burnett, an older, longtime resident from Arlington, Virginia, and Michaela Andrews, who is a certified health education specialist and recent Marymount University graduate, both of whom are giving their views about COVID-19 and living with in that environment today. And of course, you're listening to WERALP Arlington, 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're talking with Carol Burnett, an older, longtime Arlington, Virginia resident, and Michaela Andrews, a certified health education specialist and recent Marymount University graduate. Both of them are giving their views about what it's like living with COVID-19. And so, Carol, I want to start with you in terms of your friend's views about social distancing and wearing a mask in public. Uh, are you finding that not everybody in your age group feels the same way about these two concepts um, as you do? Well, I, frankly, mo- I, everyone I know wears a mask. I, I, and, and I actually here in Arlington see very few people who don't wear masks. I, I am not sure I've seen anybody not wearing a mask. Um, maybe th- they are not wearing it, but they've got it in their hand or 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 close by hanging off their ear. But uh, for the most part, everybody's wearing one. Several of my friends are making them and giving them away and uh, have, I think one of my friends made over 500 and other ones made several hundred. Uh, That's how I got my mask was that they were making them. So, uh, you know, I just, I see a lot of people with masks. I think Arlington, uh, you know, does not have a, a, a rise in in cases, and I think uh, you know we're a community that that has gotten behind, for the most part, wearing masks. I mean, even young people I see, for the most part, wearing masks. It's it's uh, on TV and uh, the newspaper that I primarily see where people aren't wearing masks. So at least it makes you feel better that the people in your community are conscientious about it. Absolutely. I, I think uh, definitely uh, the, the people in Arlington certainly uh, have gotten behind this. And, uh, you know, there have been a few little things on like next door where people have gotten into arguments about uh, their right not to wear a mask and stuff. But uh, that person pretty well got shot down <laughs> pretty quick. <laughs> Michaela, so what is your experience in terms of your friends' views about social distancing and wearing a mask in public compared to yours. How does that work when you're together with friends? Um, usually everybody wears a mask. Um, I haven't really been around friends um, that I haven't seen since the beginning of quarantine. So we've either been in constant contact with each other and, you know, we all kind of hold it amongst ourselves like we all wear masks out in public when we're not with each other. 
Um, and even at work, we've made that known um, because I'm a manager at one of my other jobs. And most of the kids that work for us are young 16 year olds. And we have to tell them, you know, what you do on your own time affects my parents, you know, so, and I think they're also pretty good about it, even though everybody still hangs out with each other, but they try to be um, at least socially distant, um, really honest if um, somebody may have come in contact with any positive cases. I, I was going to ask, too, uh, given the fact of what the statistics have been, uh, and and they seem to be rising again here in terms of Arlington, have either of you known someone who has uh, died as a result of COVID? Carol, we'll start with you. Uh, I don't know anybody who has died, but I, I do have two friends from my dog club um, who both got COVID. Uh, one was an 86-year-old woman uh, in early April, and uh, she spent about two weeks in the hospital and then was sent home and now seems to be doing relatively well. And I have another friend who lives in the district and who's 35 years old. And uh, she also contracted it in early April and uh, spent uh, 10 days at, at Sibley. And then uh, still today is having some lingering effects, some fatigue and uh, her kidneys. She has to go in every two weeks to be tested and her kidney levels or haven't returned to what's considered normal. So um, I actually uh, watched her dog while she was uh, in the hospital for about a month because, uh, you know, to, to help her out. Um, and you know, she's, she's somebody who like always wore a mask and was, had groceries delivered and she can't figure out where she picked this up because she had gone nowhere and she had been at home. Um, but she did have to go out and walk the dog every day and she lives in a condo building. So she thinks maybe she picked it up on a button in the elevator. Uh, you know, she she just she's she's perplexed, certainly, but how she got it. Of course, and your point is well taken, Carol, about the lingering effects. Once you, if you are a survivor, which is certainly a good thing, there may be long-term effects that affect every other part of your body as well, not necessarily just your lungs. So, so Michaela, how about you? Any? Uh, and you mentioned your time in the hospital. What's been your experience in terms of seeing COVID? Have you seen people or known people with COVID? Personally, um, even outside of the hospital, I know a lot of people who have been infected. Um, my One of my older great aunts um, is actually in a nursing home and she contracted it completely asymptomatic and she's totally fine, thank God. Um, but then I also have a friend whose older brother, who's 33, got it and he has been in ICU for almost six weeks now. Um, but working at the hospital at the beginning of everything, I want to say around end of March, early April, um, we did have a COVID unit 
um, and there was about 10 patients in it. I work at a very small psychiatric hospital, so we don't usually get severe cases of it. Um, but it definitely affects, you know, every age um, equally. I think it's it's very an odd disease that way. And obviously it's important, and what you're talking about just reinforces the fact that uh, it isn't just the older adults that may uh, contract uh, COVID-19. Right. There's a lot of young people. Okay. Well, one thing I wanted to hear from both of you is kind of your home situation. Um, And you mentioned, Carol, uh, about... uh, uh, where you live, and you mentioned that you have a spouse. What's what's that like? I mean, we all have had to adjust in terms of our living situation and that. Um, talk about what it's like to be spending more time at home with uh, a family member maybe than you have in the past. It, that's interesting because I was just talking to a friend who uh, is a widow, and she was telling me that she's been sort of lonely during this time. And um, I said, I told her, I said, well, you know what, all this constant 24 seven togetherness isn't all it's cracked up to be either. Let me tell you, you know, sometimes we could just about kill each other because we're in the same place in the same house with, you know, uh, uh, no personal space really. So uh, you know, it, it has its challenges, I think, sometimes that you, um, because even though I have been getting out, I've also been home a lot, lot more. And uh, I think that uh, that that can be, be a challenge. And uh, a couple of my other friends have even said, you know, they like uh, wish their husband would go back to work or something because they uh, have, have uh, uh, sort of uh, had it with all the... Uh, uh, constant companionship. Yes. The, my mom used to say about too thick don't stick. And I think sometimes that uh, is applicable and people kind of have to allow some space for for the other family members. Michaela, how about you? You mentioned about having four roommates. What's that like? Definitely. Uh, you know, I think people are definitely supposed to have their alone time in their own space. Um, I'm already kind of more of a, okay, I need my own bubble, you know, give me my own time alone. Um, but being home, especially with four roommates, it's really harder because everybody knows you have nothing to do. So they kind of expect you to like hang out with them, even though you kind of don't want to. Um, but I also, one of my roommates happens to be my boyfriend as well. Um, but we've actually been pretty good. We kind of already have like that level of communication between us. Like when we get sick of each other, we just kind of know to take like a little break, go do our own thing. And then, you know, when we come back around, we're fine. Definitely an adjustment time here. So I wanted to get a a response from both of you because you hear about this in the the news all the time, um, about, whether getting the economy going again versus keeping the population safe and healthy, which is the most important for each of you? And, uh, and, and going along with what we're saying here, do you think the older population 
in, at least in the opinion of some, might be getting sacrificed at the expense of getting people back to work. What? Let's let, again. Let's start with you, Carol. What are your thoughts about that? And then, Michaela, I'd like to hear from you as well. Well, you know, I think I think now that um, I think that maybe at the beginning the focus was on older people, and they were taking the brunt of of the the deaths partially because of the underlying health conditions that they may have already had. And, but I think now we're really seeing that this is, I, I heard last night on the news that most of the new cases are between 20 and 40 years old. So I don't know that we're really, you know, sacrificing the old people anymore. I think we're now at a uh, uh, it's the entire population, and if more cases are with young people, then uh, it's it's not really an old people thing anymore. I think that we sort of need to move past that at this point. And you know, I want the economy to get going too. I mean, you know, I I, I have uh, you know an interest in in the economy being good, and I, I want to spend some of my retirement money on things. So. Uh, you know, I, I think we just have to be cautious uh, and careful about how we do this. What really sort of upsets me is that I think if we had stayed locked down sort of for another two months, then we might have gotten a better handle on this. But now it's like we're back at step one. <laughs> and so now we probably will go back into more lockdown before we get going again. And I'm just livid that the leadership of our country did not do more to keep us all in lockdown like other countries who, who really stayed, South Korea for one. They, you know, they stayed in lockdown early on and now they're back to, to go, getting closer to normalcy and, and back with their economy running. So, And I, I suspect, Carol, that you're not surprised that the number of COVID cases is, is increasing. Not at all. I mean, I'm pretty much a news junkie and I watch a, a lot of news every night and uh, read the Washington Post every day. So uh, it's clear that, uh, you know, that the number of cases is going up and uh, down in the southern, you know, Texas and, and Alabama and Florida, the southern states, you know, they all opened up for the 4th of July and people went out and went to bars and went shopping and ate in the restaurants. And there you have it. Now we've got these surges where the hospitals are being overrun. And, uh, you know, now they're sending nurses instead of from New York down to Texas. But, you know, New York's a good example. I mean, they had, you know, I think very eight deaths yesterday, which, you know, at the height of it, they were having a, uh, I don't know, 800 a day or something. And now, so, you know, it, we should have just stayed locked down longer. All right. Michaela, how about you? You just graduated from Marymount University. You're starting out your career. What are your thoughts about going forward here? Again, getting the economy going. You said you're working. What's your situation um, and, and your thoughts about getting the economy going again versus keeping the population safe and healthy? I mean, we definitely have to have some type of businesses open. Um, 
when everything was closed down, I really hated seeing all the small family-owned businesses not opened, but the large corporations. Um, like I'd rather have my money <laughs> go to a family place because um, I know, you know, you can really see their impact on it. Um, but I feel like now it's not really a sacrifice on the older adults since most of them, if they want to stay home, they are staying home. If they want to come out, they're doing um, what they want. My biggest concern as of this point with the rising cases and it almost being August, um, I kind of do feel like we are sacrificing our youth going back to school, especially in public schools, um, just because they are already so overpopulated, not really that well cleaned or taken care of. So it's just going to be very interesting um, seeing how that all plays out. And I wanted to also ask each of you, because both of you, regardless of your age, uh, will not really be safe until a vaccine is, is available. So I'd like to hear from each of you as to what your thoughts about um, finding a vaccine. Are you, are you planning to remain pretty much what you're doing until a vaccine is available? Or uh, what, what are your plans? So Carol, we'll start with you and then we'll ask Michaela. I think we won't be back to anything that we can call normal until there's, uh, you know, 300 million people have had the vaccine. Uh, you know, our, our, we need to uh, have, have it be like uh, uh, a, a nationwide sort of uh, program of where people uh, get the vaccine, uh, which I hope will be next year. Uh, I know that, you know, normally vaccines take several years, sometimes decades, but I think we, we see that they're having really good luck now. And uh, there's talk of maybe having something in, in the early part of 2021. And I think we just have to sort of hunker down here, uh, do the best we can and uh, wait till there's a vaccine and then all get in line and go get it. And, uh, you know, I'm certainly going to get my flu shot this year. Uh, I think that's probably a really important thing for us all to do to to help protect us. And I'm, I'm going to try not to get too upset with those anti-vaxxers on Facebook that I see that are, you know, trying to talk, tell people they shouldn't get a vaccine. <laughs> Carol, do you ever give any thought in terms of once a vaccine is available? I was thinking that right now, the people who are serving as the folks that are getting the vaccine on a trial basis tend to be young. Uh, about the possibility of will the vaccine be effective for older adults? It might be effective amongst younger people, but they still may have some issues um, finding something that's effective. Do, you know, for an older adult, any thoughts about that? Well, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I think that you know, vaccines in general. I mean, we all get the flu shot. And, you know, maybe the flu shot works in some people and doesn't work in all other people. But I don't know if it's really a young old thing as much as that it's just that older people have other medical conditions that may get, that may really get in their way um, more so than that it's 
the, the vaccine doesn't work in those people. Um, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I suspect that they're trying to get some older people in their trials too. Um, I, I'm, I'm just marvel at those people because I think that to find out if the vaccine works, you have to then agree to get the, the disease. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that, that's an amazing sort of sacrifice for people to be making to ha help do this. And I certainly admire them. One wonders what the reasons be behind volunteering for this and um, uh, wanting to make that sacrifice. Michaela, how do you feel? Because uh, Carol's exactly right. Um, there are a, a, a quite sizable number of young people who have volunteered to take the vaccine. I mean, take, yes, to volunteer in these trials um, uh, so that they can find a vaccine. What are your thoughts about that as well as just, you know, living your life until a vaccine is found? How, how do you feel about that? Um, I mean, vaccines definitely take a while, um, and we kind of have to live with it even after the vaccine is found because we don't know really that much about COVID yet and if there are other strains, um, if the second wave will be more powerful than the first wave. Um, so there's still a lot of things to figure out, and that does affect um, how well the vaccine prevents against it. Um, personally, I'm allergic to eggs, so I have not gotten the flu vaccine um, in a really long time, and I've never had the flu because I'm always extra conscious. Um, but like, I'm kind of teeter-tottering between I do want the vaccine because I want to stay safe. I don't want to get the disease, but then I'm like, what are the ramifications and how well will this actually prevent me from getting it. So do each of you anticipate that your life will ever return to the normalcy that you had before COVID-19? Carol, what do you think? I, I think it, it could be quite a while before we're, we're back into to hugging strangers. Uh, I, I just, uh, I don't see that probably being for uh, four or five years. Uh, I, I don't think it's any time really soon. Uh, I think we're, we're just going to be having to, until we get enough people, you know, the sort of herd immunity uh, out there, which will have to be a vaccine and then getting everybody to get the vaccine and then seeing how it works for a year or two. So I, I think it could be quite a while before we see anybody taking down those plexiglass shields from in front of the, the uh, clerks in the grocery store. How about you, Michaela? I feel like we shouldn't go all the way back to the regular normal. Um, I mean, we see now airplanes actually cleaning the seats and wiping everything down and... Um, I've especially noticed there's actually cleaning people in the airport like more consistently and which that just kind of blew my mind because I was like, wow, like I've actually never seen this before. Um, and especially the public restrooms um, or the ones that, you know, they're all closed still, but the ones that are open, 
Um, they're more attended to, they're cleaner. Uh, people are more conscious with, you know, where they cough and the germs that they spread. So I think there's definitely things that we can learn from all this stuff um, and that we should play into the way society returns to its normal. And what worries each of you the most about the future and why? Oh, Carol, <laughs> I, I, I frankly, I'm really glad I'm not a young person because I can't imagine trying to start a career and find employment and have meaningful benefits at that employment, you know, that I, I think some employers may take this opportunity to, you know, stop uh, uh, donating into to 401ks and, and even maybe cut back on health insurance because, uh, you know, they're having such a hard time. And I, I just think for a young person, this is going to be uh, catastrophic to their getting on their feet and, and being able to, you know, buy a house and, and, uh, you know, do things that uh, probably they had planned on doing because uh, there's not, the jobs are just not going to uh, materialize very quickly. People aren't going to be back in offices. Uh, I, I don't know how anybody gets a job these days. I mean, if you had one, you could then go work at home, but, you know, going and, and uh, getting a job these days just must be, uh, a dreadful situation for for people like Michaela who have recently graduated who who want to you know start a career so i I really feel badly for the the young younger generation Michaela, what would you tell us definitely the uncertainty that the future holds um, i'm exactly right like i just graduated we're trying to find jobs but everything's closed down um and it's just such a weird time and like we just have to you know just go through every day like even though there are these things that we have no idea if we're actually going to have a job in a few months or not um we don't know what's going to happen come november um so and especially having to pay student loans now all that stuff. Ugh. So it's definitely, definitely hard, but it's just something that we have to deal with and the whole world's going through it. So hopefully one day it'll get better, but I just, I try not to think about that just because it's something that I cannot control. So I just have to try to work around all the blocks. Okay. Well, we got 20 seconds. Can each of you in 20 seconds give advice of what you, to your peers, as to what you think about how life will be in this new world? I would say just uh, hang in there and be cautious and try to do things uh, on a limited basis. Spend time outdoors with your friends. Okay. And Michaela? Um, definitely along those same lines, um, stay safe, um, do pay attention to your mental health and not let the stressors of the world completely get to you. Um, but also be cautious and, you know, still realize that we are in a scary situation, but we're all kind of just got to take it a day at a time. Well said. Well, I want to thank Carol Burnett, 
and Michaela Andrews for joining me today. And by the way, if you want to listen to past radio programs and watch Aging Matters TV episodes, best to tune in to facebook.com forward slash Aging Matters WERA for the internet addresses which you can use to access both all the radio shows and the TV episodes. We've got well over 180 radio shows now and 17 TV episodes. So hope you will listen and watch um, all of those. And by the way, if you like what you hear on Aging Matters and value the opportunity to learn about all issues of interest to you and your families, please consider supporting Arlington Independent Media with a donation. All you have to do is log on to WERA.FM and click Donate. Your gift will be most welcome and greatly appreciated. I want to thank Robert Winship for handling the technical aspects of today's program. And as always, thank you for listening to Aging Matters. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week.